Hey, what's up, Stay Tuners? It's your good friend Jimbo here, letting you know that today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today and let them know that you heard it from Stay Tuned Sports and you start earning today. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Now here's the best, Stay Tuned Sports Podcast. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas and welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports. It's your good friend Jimbo here. Saint Jimbo? Saint, instead of Saint Nick, you know, Saint Jimbo. You know, Santa Jimbo, I guess you want to wanna say here. Hope everybody's having a good start to their holiday season here with it being christmas eve if you guys are listening to the day this came out want to wish everybody a merry christmas some some good topics to uh talk about today um and a little special reading at the end of the, the show I'll, I'll kind of tease you with that a little bit but um before we get into the show head over to staytunesports.net over on the right-hand side is our social media accounts. Click our Twitter. Make sure you follow us there. I'm mostly on there. Um, interacting with you guys, debating with you guys, as well as our Facebook and YouTube page. You can subscribe to that. And on top of the page, the web page, is a merch tab. You can click that and get any of your Stay Tuned Sports merchandise that you may want to purchase. Um, I mean can't really purchase this for Christmas now because you won't get in time, especially with how the mail's been going. I just got a gift that was supposed to get delivered last month. Got it today. But, um, so kicking off the show, NHL is back. It will be starting, the season will be starting January 13th. It was announced this past week that the, uh, the players and the league union have agreed to a shortened season, a 56-game season, had to do some realignment with the divisions to try to limit the travel of teams because we can't do the bubble teams now. And depending on how COVID's going, because the season's supposed to go to roughly uh, late April, early May, it's going to have a 16-team playoff um, bracket however you want to say it, if they'll do the Bubble City like they did this past uh, season. Um, some of the teams can start as early as January 3rd. There's going to be no preseason games, just getting right into it. I know the Flyers have been training in Voorhees. Um, so I'm sure all the other teams are. But... The way some of these divisions have been realigned is very interesting, especially with my Philadelphia Flyers. Um, As far as the divisions, the three U.S. divisions, because Canada got lumped into 
the North Division, again because of the travel restrictions. The three U.S. divisions will play eight times against each other. Now, the East Division consists of Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, Philly, Washington, and all three New York teams. The Central is Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa Bay. And the West is Arizona, Anaheim, Colorado, Los Angeles, Minnesota, St. Louis, San Jose, and Vegas. As far as the East, this is going to be a tough go at it, I think, for, for Philly. Depending on how well our younger players, our younger defensive players have gotten since last year. Now, let's not forget the playoffs. There was a lot of questionable plays and turnovers that they did that cost them their season. You know, um, Carter Hart, hopefully he takes a, a step forward. You know, learning, he got playoff experience, so that, that was major for such a young goalie. The big question mark is with Nickens, uh Niskaden, there we go. I don't know what I was going to say. Nickerson um, retiring. You know, he was he was uh, paired up with Provorov, which was a very good pairing. But can one of these young guys step in and make this defense better? We were hoping to get him back for another year and give our young guys a little bit more time to progress. But now they're going to kind of throw to to the fire here. Let's see what they got. Um, as far as that division, I mean, playing each other eight times, it's going to be tough. You know, just look at the, the East Division. Boston, yes, they're older. Yes, they definitely did take a step back last year, but you cannot count them out until they're completely done. You know, um, with Chara and, and some of the other talented players they got can't count them out um buffalo is young not sure if they're going to be able to make you know do anything to make the playoffs and and same thing with 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 the devils i mean they were just terrible last year let's let's be honest there's no if ends or buts about it they were the, the new york jets of hockey can they how much of a step forward can they make? Can they make that jump that the Flyers did last year? I, I don't think they're going to make that much of a jump, but I think they're going to look better. I think it's also going to help reignite the rivalry between like you know, the Flyers, the Rangers, all those old, old rivalries that used to be. Philadelphia, like I said, if they could... Get those defensive mistakes under control. They could win this division. I'm putting it out there now. I think they could win this division. It's going to be tough. It's going to be close. Same thing with the Washington Capitals. Um, new head coach. You don't know what to expect. You know, we saw what Barry Trotz did with the Islanders, who sh- could possibly be the the leading. Um, candidate to win this division now they are the ones that knocked Philly out of it 
So it's going to be interesting to see if they take another step forward or do they take a step back. And then, so like I said, uh, um, the Islanders knocked out the Rangers. Henry Lundqvist, and speaking of the Capitals, how about that? Henry Lundqvist has to take this year off due to some type of heart condition that they're still trying to figure out. You know, the Rangers let him go. Capitals signed him. <clears throat> I mean, he passed the physical and everything. So, he's still part of the Capitals team. Just curious how that works out as far as money-wise and stuff like that. But they were banking on him helping in the net. And now they're going to have to figure something else out. You know, and... So, like I said, I think this division can come down to the Islanders, Philly. And depending on... on what Washington's new head coach does. You know, can he get this team going? It's going to be an interesting season. You know, and hopefully the, the coronavirus is under control and we could uh, have a full season, well, 56-game season, without any interruptions. So, this past week, well, this past weekend, Notre Dame played Clemson. We all know how that ended. Um, if you guys joined us on Podbean Live, me and uh, our good friend King, you know how just well we were doing. I was probably incoherent from drinking so much of watching that terrible, terrible game. And as the game was going on, and, you know, the farther we fell behind, you know, me and King talking, you know, we're not going to make the playoffs. No way that they, they let us in here, this and that. And after the game got done and, you know, collecting my thoughts and everything about the game, I started thinking about, like, we could slip in to the playoffs here. And I text King that, and he said, there's no way with a blowout loss like that. But my main thing that I kept going to was, okay, yeah, we, we got we got destroyed. You know, there's no offense about about that. We got manhandled. Trevor Lawrence made us his bitch. But we also beat them. Yes, we only won by seven. I understand. I got into a couple arguments over this subject with some of the fans on Twitter. So, you take the points, the scores away. Both teams are one-on-one -on -one against each other, okay? We also beat them when they were the number one team and not the number two team. I know it's only one spot. Big difference, though. We were a very heavy underdog. I think it was like 14 points or 10 points, something like that. And we beat them. Well, sure enough, we slide into the fourth spot, which sparked all kinds of debate amongst college football fans. Bama's number one, Clemson two, Ohio State number three, which I'll get to in a second here, Notre Dame number four, D D Texas A&M came in at five. A lot of people felt Texas A&M should have been number four and Notre Dame should have been out. I looked into it to see exactly like what goes into 
the voting process for, for you know, the, the college football um, committee. And what they look at, how do they pick their teams? They look at the strength of schedule, conference champs, team records, and then head-to-head results. Now, obviously, we did not play Texas A&M, so head-to-head results don't matter. Team records were both 10-1, so we're both equal there. Conference champs don't believe Texas A&M won their or you know, a conference championship. So we're both equal there. Strength of schedule. Aggies were fifth hardest, but they lost to Alabama, who was number one, 52 to 24. Notre Dame had the eighth hardest um, strength of schedule. But like I said, we beat Clemson, okay, who was number one at the time. And also, we have two more wins than Texas A&M. So, if someone from the playoff committee came out and said, Notre Dame barely beat out A&M, I would totally understand it. But the team that we should be mad about this, and, and not Notre Dame, I'm not saying this because I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I've been saying it all year long, Ohio State. How can you put them in number three with five wins? On top of having the 10th hardest schedule, and the only team they played was Indiana, who was 12th, 13th or so at the time when they played each other. So if anything, I would be okay keeping Texas, uh, uh, Notre Dame at number four. But Texas A&M, I'd be okay with putting number three. Because at least they played Bama. They played bigger schools. They had more wins. That they they were eight and one, I believe, because they had two games being canceled. Ohio State had like three or four, and needed their um, their conference committee, the Big Ten committee, bend the rules a little bit to put them in there to the conference championship over Indiana, over someone who they played, and they get put in. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Rules are rules, okay? Yes. I understand it, it was a weird year with the pandemic. But they screwed themselves in the very beginning when they said, nope, we're not playing. We're not chancing our players, our, our coaches, our, our families. And then when those families and players stood up to you and said, no, we want to play. You start it late. You should have set the rules right then and there. They said, you need to play this many games to be eligible to play in a conference championship. Which the rule that was set, I believe, was seven games. You needed at least seven wins to be eligible for the conference championship. And you only had six. So as much as I hate Dabo Sweeney, as much as I was pissed off that we lost to Clemson, I hope they freaking run right up the score. And I don't care if it's Three seconds left in the game. I hope Dabo throws a Hail Mary. Try to get another touchdown. I mean, Jesus, even this past week when the um, the coaches' rankings were released, Dabo had them, Ohio State, 11th. He had, I believe, Texas A&M 3 and a Notre Dame 4. And after that, after Texas A&M, number 5 spot, honestly, I think it's a, a drop-off to the point that just too hard to 
makeup to you know like Cincinnati and them to get them to number four. But Ohio State should not be eligible for any of these playoff spots. Past weekend, my lovely Philadelphia Eagles played Arizona, and I'll admit, you know, I really didn't watch the game too much. I just, I'm just tired of hearing the bashing of wins, the the the, the bashing of Jalen Hurts, the good for Jalen Hurts, the bad for Jalen, all, all that stuff, all the drama. Plus, I just want to make Christmas cookies too. But uh, I, I I checked in every now and then. I, I saw the the huge rookie mistake of the intentional grounding inside the end zone, but. Before the game started, a report came out that Carson Wentz, per Adam Schefter, Carson Wentz said if he's the backup behind Jalen Hurts, he will request a trade to be sent out of Philadelphia. Now, I don't know how much I believe in that. To me, this screams Alshon Jeffrey all over again, like last year. You know, saying Wentz is a, a bad teammate, he's a drama queen, this, that, the other thing. Um, oh, the other part of it, too, was Wentz isn't pleased with how the, the events unfolded. Well, I mean, come on, who would be? You know, you, you get a $128 million contract. The team doesn't give you any, any weapons. They're all practice squad guys. And then you get benched, and all of a sudden Alshon Jeffrey wants to start playing, wants to start jumping for the balls and, and putting himself out there. And on top of that, the play calling. You're doing short, quick passes every so often going downfield. Why didn't you do that with Wentz? Bet you any money he would have been getting the ball out quicker. The offensive line would have been protecting a little bit better. On top of you were putting Jason Peters at left tackle instead of Jordan Maitai, uh, or however you say his last name. And now that you got a decent offensive line up front, Jalen Hurts, I mean, he got sacked a lot this, this past week, but the week before that, no sacks. The running game was going good again. So I wouldn't blame him for asking for a trade. But the Eagles supposedly earlier this month did come out and say Wentz is in their future wants to keep him going wants to get him fixed but I, I kind of agree with um, Dan or Orvaloski this past week on uh, First Take how do you keep Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz in that quarterback room next year you, you just can't if you keep Jalen Hurts in the locker room, let's say Carson Wentz has a bounce back year, okay? And he gets the interceptions under control. He, he's getting the ball out quicker and everything like that, putting up points, all, all that stuff. He's still going to be looking over his shoulder just because of how you guys, how, how the Eagles handled this whole situation. And I, I blamed Howie Roseman. He created this drama. And it's only going to get worse. Because, again, I cannot see any NFL team eating $60 million of dead money. I think 
Carson Wentz will be part of this team. Even though this past week Jeffrey Lurie came out and said Howie Roseman's job is safe through 2021, I still don't believe it. I think something's going to happen. I think, I hope, either Lurie says, listen, time to take the power away from you again. You just worry about salary cap. And maybe Roseman will step down because he doesn't want to do that again. But I still believe Carson can still be a good quarterback in Philadelphia. And, you know, like Ryan Clark from uh, ESPN, former Steelers player, saying that Carson Wentz is soft um, mentally. He's selfish. Well, if he was all that, then why when Jalen came off the field after that, um, the safety he, he took, or at the end of the game when he almost won the game for Philly, he was the first person over to him to console him or talk to him about, you know, what you could probably did different or what he did good. If he wasn't a good teammate, wouldn't he just kind of stay off on his own and let Jalen be by himself or let the coaches talk to him or other players? No. Carson went right over and was helping him. So Carson, to me, is... This, these whole stories, I, I, I just think it's Alshon Jeffrey again. Starting it all over, just points right to him. I hope Philly keeps Carson. I hope Carson has a bounce back here next year. And I hope Howie Roseman is gone after this season. Now, I kind of said to you guys at the top of the show, I kind of have like a little a little treat for you guys. A little since, you know, to help get in a Christmas Philly holiday spirit. I'm going to read a little towards the night before Christmas to you guys, Philadelphia style. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring not even Alshon Jeffrey and his league stories. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care and hoped that St. Wentz soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of quarterback drama danced in their heads. And Mama Roseman in her kerchief and Lurie in his cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nightmare. When out on the roof there arose such a clatter I sprang from my bed to see what's the matter. Away to the window, I flew like Boogie Sanders would do, tore open the shutter, and threw up the sash like Chase Young did to Jason Peters' ass. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of a midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a missed 22-yard field goal from Jason Elliott. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Wentz. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Johnson, now Peters, now Kelsey and Pryor, on Maitai and Herbig, on Isaac, and who's starting this week? Anyways, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with a three and out, Mount to the sky, so up the housetop, Cameron Johnson's punt flew, with a sleigh full of excuses, and St. Wentz too. 
And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of Jalen Hurts too. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Wentz came with a thud. He was dressed all in green and white, from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with dirt and grass. A bundle of haters he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His, his eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how bruised. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was busted up like a boxer, and the beard on his chin was all pulled out from all the beatings he's taken from the Philadelphia media. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he got slammed to the ground like a bowl of jelly. He was beaten and worn, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw the city turn on him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprung to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Except for you, Howie Roseman, you filthy animal. Now, before we go, here are our blue picks. And here is your Blue Picks of the Week, brought to you by Skunk Duck Studios, the best ducking designs on the web. That's right, for our week, we'll be in week 16 now. Our week 16 Blue Picks didn't, didn't do too bad last week, I think I got two or three. But this week, I think it might be a little bit easier. Um, blue pick, Our Blue Picks are our blowouts, our locks, our upset picks. My blowout pick for this week's week is the Bills over the Patriots. Bills are favored by seven. Patriots are limited from the playoffs. Cam Newton and the team is just not good. We're starting to see... Was Tom Brady really the team? You know, Bill Belichick, he's a very, very good coach, very smart. Just not enough talent there to keep the dynasty going. And I think the dynasty has officially been killed. Uh, my lock pick for this week is the Bears over the Jags. To me, it's almost kind of obvious. Um, Jags just said plenty of times this year are not a good team. The Bears are hot now and are pushing for a playoff spot. Mitchell Trubisky all of a sudden is playing good. Um, and the Jags just seem like they're trying to get through the season just to get it over and done with. Just so they could draft Trevor Lawrence possibly since they got the number one pick now since the Jets won last week. Then my upset pick for this week is the Giants over the Ravens. Now, now hear me out. Okay, just hear me out. Giants are underdog by 11, but Daniel Jones is coming back what it sounds like this week. Um, past two weeks, 
they've only scored a combined 13 points. I think with Jones back, if that defense could contain Lamar Jackson and rough up Hollywood Brown, not let him get into space or anything like that, I think they would have a good chance. But that's the key because Baltimore has been scoring 30-plus points the past three games. So the defense got to clamp down on Jackson, get some pressure on him, knock him around, and Daniel Jones got to have a no-turnover type game in order to pull this off, which I think they could do. So that's my picks for this week. Uh, Before I go, just want to say to everybody, wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Please be safe. Drive responsibly if you're drinking. Or drink responsibly, I should say. Um, So, till next week, because I will have a a New Year's Eve show airing. Till next week, this is your good friend Jimbo, signing out.